This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, if you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible. From Luke, chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to eat with him. After he entered the Pharisee's home, he took his place at the table. Meanwhile, a woman from the city, a sinner, discovered that Jesus was dining in the Pharisee's house. She brought perfumed oil in a vase made of alabaster, standing behind him at his feet and crying. She began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured the oil on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw what was happening, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. Jesus replied, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, speak, he said. A certain lender had two debtors. One owed enough money to pay 500 people for a day's work. The other owed enough money for 50. When they couldn't pay, the lender forgave the debts of them both. Which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled. Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? When I entered your home, you didn't give me water for my feet, but she wet my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has poured perfumed oil on my feet. This is why I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven. So she has shown great love. The one who has forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other table guests began to say among themselves, who is this person that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I read the scripture this morning, I think of one thing as I have read it and thought about it and pondered it. What is the difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone? Truth be told, many of us know about others. We know a lot of things about others, and especially in today's culture, if we choose to pay attention to the media or the news or anything else, by just watching and listening and participating in life, we find out about other people, especially those that we choose to follow as we learn about them, as we learn about their childhood, their history, their likes, their dislikes. All of us have done it, and maybe some of us have people that we do as well because it's an actor or an actress that we admire or an athlete that we are just in awe at the way they are able to perform, or a musician that is able to just, you know, when they play and their music just touches us in a way that nothing else does. Or maybe it's even a politician, although I don't know. We choose to learn about them, though, don't we? As we learn about who they are, as we learn about what formed them, what helped them to become the person that they are and admire today. And so an example could be a young person, maybe a girl or a boy, who spends their time learning about their favorite musician 
As they learned their childhood home, where they were born, where they went to school, when and where they moved to pursue their music career, whether they started singing or performing in a church group or a school group, they learned the name of their pets, they learned the name of their first album, and all the albums after that, they know who they toured with and who is now touring with them now that they're famous. They know everything. Or maybe it's someone else. Who knows all the statistics of their favorite athlete? Maybe it's a baseball player. Soccer's my sport, so a soccer player. The number of hits that they have hit during the year, the number of goals that they scored, of where they did their training, of what teams they've been part of, of what specific things they do in the gym that makes them the next step above everyone else. You know, in Katie's school, um, there's a little boy, I don't know his name, He's in the class next to us when we line up in the playground on, in the morning. I've never talked to him. I just listen as he talks to these other boys. And he's a 49ers fan and he knows everything about the 49ers. So really he's happy today because the 49ers are playing. But, you know, it's crazy to me because his other friends will say, well, you know, I'm a fan of whatever team. And man, he knows everything that they've done this year. He knows how well their different players have done. And then he's able to explain how his team is better because of the number touchdowns scored or whatever else. You know, it's just amazing to me because he has chosen to know about this team and these players. You know, and I don't even know his name. I just listen. I don't know if Katie even listens because she's usually doing other things with her friends. But, you know, it's just funny to me because, man, he could do everything. But then there are also people that are that way about athlete or about um, different musicians or artists or actors or actresses. As adults, you know, many of us do this. We learn. We choose to know about someone in election year. As we look at the people that are in office and we decide whether they are worthy of our vote to stay in office, or if we look at the person that's challenging them. As we decide if they would better represent us or serve. And so we want to know all about their lives, don't we? About what they've faced in their life, about what they've done, the experiences that have helped shape them into the person that they see today in order to help us make an informed, or we hope informed, decision. You know, in each of these examples, and I'm sure you can think of others, we know about an individual. We don't know them. We don't really know them. We know about their facts. We know about their statistics. We know about some of their stories, maybe some of their experiences, and about what others say about them. But we don't know them. We're fans. We're followers. We're not followers. We're secret admirers who watch them from afar, but we are not people that have an intimate or a personal relationship with them. You know, this is what I think Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the Pharisees and when he was telling the disciples about what it really meant to be followers of him. In Matthew 15, 8, Jesus quotes a passage of scripture from the prophet Isaiah. As he's talking to the Pharisees, they've been questioning him about his teachings and about what he believes. And he says about them, this people honors me with their lips. But their hearts are far away from me. 
Their worship of me is empty since they teach instructions that are human rules. Jesus says this about the people that are supposed to be the ones that are the religious leaders of their day, the ones that people turn to to understand. And he quotes this passage of Scripture where I, from Isaiah where God is saying, you worship me only in word. You're not worshiping me with your hearts. You're offering yourselves, but you're not offering all of yourselves in your worship and service to me. These are the men that have dedicated their lives to God. They've dedicated their minds to God. They try and live lives in which they understand that they are living the way God wants them to live. But you know, as Jesus said in using that scripture, they haven't surrendered their hearts to God. To the God that they profess to serve, to the God that they profess to follow. These men had spent their entire lives studying the Old Testament, the Torah. At age 12, they would have been able to recite the first 12 uh, 12 books of the Old Testament from memory. By age 15 or so, they would have been able to recite from memory the entire Old Testament. And in doing that, they would have learned and memorized and had heard teachings on the over 300 teachings that talk about the Messiah in the Old Testament. That talk about the anticipation of the one that is to come. But they don't recognize the Messiah who's standing there before them. Who's sitting there before them. Who's teaching them and and who's talking to them and who's talking to others. They don't recognize that the one that they know about is Jesus of Nazareth. They know about Jesus, but they don't really know him, do they? They know about the Messiah, but they don't know the Messiah. Because the Messiah is in their midst. And they're unable to follow Him. To follow Jesus, we have to know Him. To follow Jesus, we have to know who He is and what He does. And we have to allow Him to change our hearts because we surrender ourselves to Him. We can't claim to know Him if we haven't surrendered the parts of our lives that we hold apart from Him. And if we see it in this morning's scripture reading, we see that. That He calls for us to surrender who we are. To know Him. To really follow Him. In Luke chapter 7, we read a story this morning that I think is an interesting one because it's one of the ones that is found in all four of the Gospels. There's three different versions. Um, Matthew and Mark's version, I think, pretty much reads the same. Luke's version's different than John's version, like everything else in John, is very different from the other ones. But the story involves Jesus, who's been invited into a Pharisee's home. In Luke, the Pharisee's name is listed as Simon. Jesus has entered this home. He's sitting around the table with the other guests. The way they sat as they were laying on their side with their heads, you know, approached towards the table and their feet out behind them. When an unnamed woman enters the home and falls to Jesus' feet. Luke doesn't share with us who she is or what she does. All he says is she was a sinner. None of the Gospels say specifically what the actual sin is that she has committed or is committing. Tradition has said she was a prostitute. 
But we don't know what her sin was. We know she didn't observe the law. And so that's probably enough for Luke. Is she is someone who has fallen short of what God calls and wants her to be. And so he calls her a sinner and leaves her at that. Tradition has also said that her name was Mary. We don't know. Luke doesn't say that. But what we do know is that she enters a home uninvited. And as she enters this home, I imagine her eyes are focused on Jesus. And I see everyone else as they're talking and the conversation just dies. As everyone recognizes who is coming in and wonders what is happening. And so they witness her kneel over Jesus' feet as she cries upon them. She washes his feet with her hair and then she pours scented oil over them as she kisses them. And then as Simon, the host, witnesses this, Luke writes that he said this to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. He would know that she is a sinner. Jesus replies by telling Simon a story about a lender who had two debtors who forgave both debtors of their debts. One debtor's debt was huge. The other one was not as big. And Jesus asks Simon which debtor would love the lender more once their debt was forgiven. And Simon says, depending on your translation, the one with the larger debt... Or in this morning's translation, which I thought was interesting, as Simon says, I suppose the one who had the largest debt canceled. Which Jesus said was correct. And then he told Simon this. That the one who had entered the home was forgiven because she has shown great love. And then he said the one who is forgiven little Loves little. You know, it's interesting because I've read this passage of Scripture many times. But as I was studying it and thinking about it this last week, what Jesus is saying is that our capacity to love correlates with the amount of forgiveness that we receive. Our capacity to be forgiven correlates with our willingness to forgive other people. And so what he's saying to Simon is you can't just receive the forgiveness of God without being willing and and doing and offering forgiveness to other people. So it's not something that you receive and then you dole out, but it's something that we offer to others and God offers it to us. Which is very interesting. Because for us to know Jesus... For us to know Jesus to the the way that we are known and seen as followers of Him. Well, then we have to offer forgiveness in the way that He offered it to others. We have to recognize who He is and we have to know Him. And in doing so, recognize that we have to surrender our hearts to others so that we can forgive and so that we can receive the forgiveness that He offers us. In my notes as I was reading this passage of Scripture, as others were questioning Jesus, you know, He says that they don't know. And that they miss the very presence of God in their midst. 
See, they knew about Jesus. They knew about who the Messiah was to be. They knew what they were supposed to be looking for. But they didn't know Him. They weren't willing. They hadn't surrendered their hearts to God to have their eyes opened. And so they missed it. And so we have to surrender our hearts to God. As people who choose to follow, as people who seek to follow, as people who profess to follow, so that we can truly know Him. And in knowing Him, we offer forgiveness to others, whether they warrant it or not, because God's forgiveness comes to us whether we warrant it or not. Our forgiveness is a sign of our love. For the people that do forgive little, love little. But the ones who offer forgiveness as it comes from God to us are filled with the love of God to where it's given to others in greater measure than we can ever imagine for ourselves. And so this morning as we leave, I invite you to think about what it means to follow, what it means to forgive, and what it means for us to know Him as we offer our forgiveness to others that it might be a sign for our walk, for our faithfulness, and for our discipleship as we choose to follow the Jesus, as we choose to receive the life that God has given us, and as we forgive a lot so that we can receive the love of God in greater measure than we can ever imagine. Amen.